Good morning and welcome to this episode of Freely Give. Um, today we will be in Revelation chapter 4 and this time we are going to the throne room. John um, is going to take us up to the throne room and um, actually he will be taken up to the throne room. So it's a pretty exciting time in the book of Revelation. Uh, so let's get started. And again, if you want a copy of this lesson, you can email me at JeannieMcHale at Yahoo.com. That's J-E-A-N-N-E-M-C-H-A-L-E at Yahoo.com. You can also email me if you have any questions. Um, so we will get started. Revelation chapter 4, and let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the for your word. We thank you so much, Lord that you chose to come down and save us, Lord God. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'll be reading the uh, NLT version, Revelation chapter 4. Then, as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here, and I will show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him, and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living beings each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of those living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, 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 is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. Okay. So our little introduction here um, by Warren Wearsby. Heaven is a place of worship, and God's people shall worship him throughout all eternity. Perhaps it would be good for us to get in practice now. A study of Revelation 4 and 5 will certainly help us better understand how to worship God and give him the glory that he deserves. 
So I want to look right away at verse one. Um, it may have caught your eye and ear too. Um, when John, um, it says, then, I, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven. And right away, my mind goes to um, John chapter 10, verse 9, where Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And as John is taken up and called up and that door is open. And, you know, that reminds me that that door to heaven is only open because of Jesus, because of what he has done for us. That is what enables us to go in and out and find pasture. That is what opens that door. That is why that door is open to us. And that just caught me right away. So, um, all right, we will go on. Question two, who spoke to John in verse one? In verse one, he says, um, and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. So, um, and then it says in verse two, and instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. So most commentators believe, and I agree that this is, um, that that uh, the Lord is showing him a picture of the rapture when the believers are raptured up. Um, he says to him, come up here, and he says it uh, in a voice like a trumpet blast. And when we read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17, it says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And they do make mention of the fact that after chapter three, the church is not mentioned again until I believe it's chapter 20. Um, so um, this is when, this is the point in time when it looks like the church is taken off the earth before um, God pours out his wrath on the unbelievers. Um, so we do have to remember that God um, is judging the unbelievers, not the believers. Okay. Read verses two to three. How did John describe the one sitting on the throne? Um, brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian, and the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Um, it is interesting to note um, the presence of the rainbow there that God reminds himself of his promise to Noah and to all mankind that God has has set that that promise before his himself always. 
And then the two colors of the stones um, are red and white. So the three colors total emanating from the throne would be red, white, and green. But the two colors of the stones are red and white. And so David Guzik says, perhaps these two colors are meant to communicate the glory of the empty tomb. White in Matthew 28, uh, 1 to 3, and the sacrificial love of Calvary, red indicating blood. Or perhaps they are linked with the first and last gems in the high priest's breastplate, Exodus 39, 8 to 13. Or they could be both. <laughs> but I do believe that there is absolute significance to the colors around the throne of God. And I do think that it's not a coincidence that they would be red and white and then green indicating new life. So I absolutely do not think that is a coincidence. <laughs> okay, number four, read verse four. Who do you think these elders are? Now we look and we see 24 elders and I know um, commentators differ on their opinion. We're not told for sure who they are. Um, but we were told this in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 to 21. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So some of the representatives there, I believe, are of the church. It could be the 12 representative of the 12 apostles um, that represent the church. I'm not sure. Um, but I do believe that the church is represented in those um, 24 elders. But um, I also believe that the Old Testament saints are represented. I remember Job. They believe that Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Um, but I remember Job's cry when, um, he was in the midst of just tremendous pain. And he said, but as for me, this is Job 19, 25 to 26, by the way, he said, but as for me, I know that my redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed yet in my body. I will see God. That man had such hope and he knew he would be with God and he knew he would see God. So I know somewhere up there, Job is represented as well. And he's an Old Testament saint. So I firmly believe that. That is just my opinion. That's a belief of mine. Okay. So, um, and John Corson um, says some interesting things. He says, while we cannot be dogmatic regarding the identity of the 24 elders, we can be certain of their ministry. For as the book of Revelation progresses, we'll see what these elders do in heaven. They don't have board meetings. They don't run programs. They don't pursue higher office. What do they do? Here we see them sitting in God's presence. In the next chapter, they seek out John saying, weep not, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Later, we see an elder ask John questions to spark spiritual discussion and to provide information and enlightenment. We'll also see the elders 
singing a new song. So too, if we want to be elders, ministers, or servants here on earth, we must be those who sit in God's presence, those who seek out people who are hurting and point them to the Lord. We must be those who share truth and those who sing a new song of something God is doing today in this hour. So I think John Corson makes a great point here. It's fun to think about who the elders might be and to have our opinions, and, and it's okay to do that. But let's look mostly at what they do, because that is what's going to please God, is when we do the things that please him. And so John Corson brings us back down to earth and show, uh, reminds us of what it's about. Okay, so number five, how is the Holy Spirit described in verse five? What does the lightning and thunder indicate? And has God used thunder and lightning in the past? Um, so the Holy Spirit is described as, in my translation, seven torches with burning flames. And David Gusick, in his commentary, makes a good point. He says the lamps of fire are important because the Holy Spirit is not ordinarily visible. To become visible, he represents himself in a physical form like a dove or a tongue of fire. So this would tell you that something significant is happening. Um, also, the to me, the indication, you know, the thunder and the lightning Um reminds us of Mount Sinai, and that was something significant as well. So we can see here that something significant is happening. And in chapter 5, it will be revealed. Um, so number 6, read verses 6 to 7. What is the significance of the lion, ox, human, and eagle? Now we're talking here about those... Um, They called them creatures, um, the living beings. The first of these living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. So that is their description here. That was actually verse seven and eight. Sorry. So I think I messed that up on my lesson plan here. Um, and so Warren Wearsby says this. Also around the throne, John saw four living creatures who were nearer to God than the angels and the elders. They resemble the cherubim that the prophet Ezekiel saw. And that's Ezekiel 1, 4 to 14, and 10, 20 to 22. But their praise reminds us of the seraphim of Isaiah chapter 6. I believe that these special creatures symbolize God's creation and are related to God's covenant with Noah in Genesis 9, 8 to 17. The faces of the living creatures parallel God's statement in Genesis 9.10. His covenant is with Noah. So he's saying the face of man represents the covenant with Noah. And then the fowl, the face of the eagle, the cattle, the face of the calf, 
and the beasts of the earth, the face of the lion. So um, Warren Wiersbe believes that these four faces represent the covenant that um, God made with Noah in um, Genesis chapter 9. Um, and then he also says these creatures signify the wisdom of God um, being full of eyes and proclaim the holiness of God. They are heavenly reminders that God has a covenant with his creation and that he rules his creation from his throne. So that that is um, one interpretation. Um, I did look at several commentators to see what they think. It seems the prevailing opinion as far as the interpretation of, you know, what the faces might represent. The prevailing opinion with the commentators, it seems to be, is that they represent the four Gospels. Um, Matthew, Jesus as king, represented by a lion. Mark, Jesus as servant, represented by an ox. Um, Luke, Jesus as son of man. Humanity, represented by a man. And Jesus, son of God, deity, represented by an eagle. Now, um, it could be one or both, or it could be neither of these. We don't know. Again, this is just something that is, you know, fun to think about and fun to look into. But these are opinions we don't know for sure. So, all right, we move on. Read verses 9 to 10. What happens when the living creatures glorify the Lord who falls down in worship? Now, when these creatures glorify the Lord, the elders fall down in worship. The elders that are in their, um, that are in their white robes and who have their crowns. And so then what do the elders do with their crowns? And I love this. They lay their crowns before the throne and they praise the Lord. So um, these living beings kind of cause the elders to um, fall down in worship. And then they lay their crowns before the throne. I think it would be very difficult to be sitting around the throne of God with a crown on your head because, yeah. <laughs> Those things belong to God. Those things absolutely belong to God. And uh, the elders quickly became aware of that. And they they put their crowns where they belong. Okay. So in verse 11, what are they praising God for? So the elders, um, the creatures saying holy 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 is the lord god almighty and the elders are saying you are worthy O lord our god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased and javern and mcgee makes a comment on this in his through the bible commentary he says for thou hast created all things. Dr. Wolford, in his very excellent book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, 
calls attention to something here that I think is important. The living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne. They worship him for his attributes because he is who he is. However, the four and twenty elders who represent the church worship him not only because of his attributes, but also because of what he has done. Here they worship him as creator. Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. In other words, the church comes out of this little earth, which is God's creation, and they join in worship because he created this earth down here. Genesis 1-1 is accurate, and the church believes it. So then our last question is, what are we praising God for this week, this month, and this year? So I'll leave you and me with that. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and God bless you. Have a great day.